It's going to be exciting to begin to worship all together again at the Sally YMCA, and it is really fun uh, to think about. Uh, my name is Mitch White, uh, and if I'm not getting to meet you, I hope I get to do that one day. It's good to be with you again as we are in part two of a series called Money Talks. And the series is really about listening to the money that God has entrusted to you. And what is it saying? And if you were not uh, here with us last week, I began this series last week, and I encourage you to go back and listen to it because it's important that we track this series all the way through and grabbing a hold of this image of money talks. It's really about uh, whether we control our money or do we also let our money control us. I know it's kind of weird in the middle of all the times and things that are going on in our country right now that some of you are wondering, why are we talking about money? Again, I encourage you to go back and listen to last week. I talked a lot about the reason why we're doing this, but here it is in a nutshell. We love you, we care about you, and we know that money controls a lot of things. And in all honesty, we feel like it's important to talk about it right now because we believe that this is a time that we want people to have hope. And as you listen to this series, we really do believe that this series will give you hope in the midst of everything that is going on. So as we dig into this second week, I want you to also realize some things uh, as we get into our topic for this second week. I want you to understand that on these mornings where we're putting together this service, we aim for a goal of 60 minutes in this service. Now, in this service, we have a set amount for each element of this service in order for us to hit that goal of 60 minutes. We have different elements within it. We have a time where we welcome folks. You have a time of praying. We have a time where we sing songs. We have a time for preaching. And a lot of times we'll have these things that we call special elements, and we put time on those as well. We carve out time for each of these elements, uh, and we then give a person or people responsibility for a specific element. And every person on that team has a goal to do their part in order for us to hit our overall goal of 60 minutes. When one person goes over time, it's usually the preacher, everyone else has to adjust or we go over our allotted time and we miss our goal as a team. In other words, we budget our time and our elements for each of our worship services. All of those elements are very important, and it's important that they work together. If you think about it, all of us budget something in our lives. Our time, our energy, our money, and we're going to talk today, if you haven't guessed it, about budgeting our money, the money that God has entrusted to us. Budgets aren't new to most people. Some are good at budgeting. Some are bad at budgeting. Regardless of, of whether we're talking about money or not, people are good at certain budgets and people are bad at certain budgets. We budget our time. In fact, if you think about a daily, uh, a week uh, in my life, this is kind of how a day would look like or a week would look like in my life as I try and budget it. Usually get up by 6 a.m., I make coffee, I drink a glass of water while that coffee is being brewed. I then take that coffee, I go and sit on my screen porch, and I allow that coffee to wake me up. It has a budgeted time period to wake me up. And then I'm spending time in God's Word, and hopefully all of that I'm doing, and we hit 7 a.m. Now, this is usually where my budget of my time falls apart. 
It's about 7 a.m. because it's really dictated about, by whether I'm going to follow through with the allotted time that I've given for exercise or not. Many times, an early morning meeting is going to take over the budget line item for exercise. So then I'm rushing to shower, getting dressed, and I'm heading to meetings. Usually, I allot during my day uh, nine hours for my work. When I do uh, and, and get into that, then it's a good day. But a lot of times, my work a lot at time goes over, and then it starts to creep into my dinner a lot at time. And then it creeps into my family a lot at time. But usually, I catch it up during that time. But what most of the time it happens is I get short on my sleep a lot at time. That's where my budget kind of goes out the door. But I'm actually pretty good at living with a smaller amount of sleep, and that's where I'd rather rob the budget line. Now, the other part, though, is certain times during the year, different things get added into my time budget, such as about a month ago, there was a new line item. It was called football. Football came out last month, which means I've got to now a lot good time to watching football. The bad thing is now football is uh, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, or Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And so I've got a lot time in my life for football, which means my whole budget for my week has been blown. And here's what ends up happening after a month. I get to the end of the month, and regardless of what's happened, I usually get to the end of the month and I say, I sure wish I had more time. That would solve everything. And I realize again, no way for me to have more than 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Isn't this the way, though, we think of about our financial budgets? We have a goal. We stay within it some, but then we find other light items starting to get into the other ones and robbing from other line items, and we get to the end of a week, we get to the end of a month, and we just simply think, if I had more money, then it would solve all of this and I could get it right. Unlike time, though, we can figure out ways to have more money, but here's what happens. We figure out how to have more money, and then we're still back in the same line items overspending in some, underspending in others, and really we get to the end of a week or a month and think, I just wish I had more. Then we find these things that we think we have more money, this thing called a credit card. Credit cards are like daylight savings time and leap year. You think you have more time, but in reality, it's still 24 hours a day and seven days a week. And that's just what I realized. We start then putting all of our money into these credit cards thinking that we have more and our budget is really skewed. Here's what I realized this morning. The word budget in a lot of households, it's a really bad word. Some may have already turned this sermon off because you don't want to hear about budget. For some of you couples, you're actually sitting right now, and one of you has said, can we turn this guy off? And the other one is looking and saying, uh-uh, I want you to hear the preacher today. Because you haven't heard me, I want you to hear the preacher talk about budgets. Luke chapter 14. Let's jump into God's Word and what He would say. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? 
For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. The point of this passage is the Bible is telling us that it is wise for all of us to sit down anytime we see something that we want to see accomplished. It is wise for us to sit down first, count the cost, so that when we get to the end, we actually find that we could afford it, that we didn't run out of resources. This is a wise thing to do. Now, no matter how old you are in listening today, in fact, if you are age five or older, if you are receiving an allowance, or teenagers, if you're getting your first jobs, this is critical information that I want and hope that you might start applying now. And I promise you, if you start applying some of the things I'll talk about this morning, your entire life will be a lot easier. And I wish that I had had some of this information when I was your age. But I want to encourage you to train yourself in what I'm teaching you today. The first thing I want you to realize about budgeting Budgeting is a spiritual act. Now, some don't believe that the church should talk about practical things like budgeting. That's getting all up into my business. That's too much. However, like I said last week, and I'll say again this week, everything belongs to God. Nothing belongs to us. Therefore, we are told by God to be good stewards of what He's entrusted to us. And the Bible gives us direction on how God wants us to do this. And we talked a lot last week about what we do with the first 10%. We called that the tithe. I'm not going to dig into that again this week. But I want you to know, though, that what you do with that first 10% says to God, this all belongs to you. All 100% belongs to you. And I realize that I have to be a good steward of all of it, not just the first 10%. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. We are called to honor God with all that we have. And it starts with that first statement that I realize it all belongs to you. And I'm given this 10% just to make me understand that the rest of it also belongs to you. Proverbs 13, 11, find out that we also learn spiritual behavior from our money. We learn about patience. Dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, and surely as haste leads to poverty. We're warned, stay away from get-rich-quick schemes. Be patient, slowly building over time your profit, your savings, not trying to make it all happen overnight. So we're learning patience, the fruit of the Spirit, patience. But also in budgeting, we're learning the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. For many of us then, you know areas in your life where you've lacked self-control and where you look at those places, and especially in our budgeting, when we lack self-control, there's a wall in our life that becomes weak. It actually becomes damaged, and it puts our entire life in danger. And this is what the Scripture is telling us, that self-control learned in budgeting, spending within your means, it actually teaches you self-control in all kinds of areas of your life. 
Budgeting is a spiritual act. The second thing I want you to see is budgeting builds healthy relationship. Now, some of you may be thinking, I've never seen that happen in budgeting before. Because anytime we talk about budgeting in our marriage or in my relationship, it's never been a healthy discussion. Now, I do pre-marriage counseling, and any wedding that I do, I require a couple to go through four weeks, up to six weeks of pre-marriage counseling with me. In week four of that, I actually have them bring in a budget. They have to make a budget. And one of the reasons is because I let them know the two areas that couples fight about more than anything, sex and money. The reason couples fight about those are because those are the two areas we feel the most insecurity. Those are the two areas we feel most vulnerable. And at least one person in the couple feels both of those, and so they don't talk. And so in pre-marriage counseling, I make couples bring in the budget, and we actually talk through their budget. I then uh, challenge them to talk after living through their budget and making sure they're learning to talk about budget. Because if you're also, if you're single, I want to encourage you, you have to talk about your budget. Find a trustworthy friend. Find somebody, one or two people, and you prepare a budget, share it with them. Help them, ask them to help you stay accountable to your budget. Because here's what happens, is relationship grows as you do this. Proverbs 15, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You've got to get advice even in your budgeting. So if you're single, you've got to have that. If you're married, you've got to have advice. It's foolish thinking to think, well, I've got it. I can handle all of this. But here's what you have to understand as well, and I realize this. Most of the time when couples or an individual looks at their budget, what ends up happening is blame starts to be casted because somebody overspent an area and blew the budget. The other part that comes out is shame because someone feels like I don't make enough or I don't contribute enough to the budget, and it's my fault that we didn't hit it. But I want to offer you this counsel. Instead of letting your budget talks be about blaming and shaming, budgeting, I believe, makes you a team, and it gives you reasons to have a high-five moment. I want to share my own story a little bit in this. One of the greatest places that my wife, Virginia, and I uh, really saw budgeting come to life and making us more and more of a team. We've been married for 30 years. For our 20th anniversary, we wanted to go to Hawaii for our 20th anniversary. So our 18th wedding anniversary, two years before, we actually went to dinner. We then went by Barnes & Noble. We bought a book on Hawaii, and we went to dessert, and we made a pact that after, before we left dessert, we were going to pick where in Hawaii we wanted to go for our 20th anniversary. So we decided we wanted to go to Maui. It then went to two years of setting a budget and living in that budget for two years so that we could celebrate our 20th anniversary in Maui. Now, we had to say no to a lot of things, but the morning that we got uh, headed to the airport, we got up, and before we got in the car, I looked at Virginia and I said, give me five. And we high-fived, celebrating we did this. It took us two years, 
But two years of saying no, living within our means, we are now at the place we're about to get on a plane for 10 days going to Hawaii in order to celebrate our 20th anniversary. And we could have never done that if we did not budget it. Wasn't always easy, but what a great way to celebrate 20 years. Here's what I understand. Budgeting is an opportunity to give blame and shame, but it is also an opportunity to give high fives, but it's also an opportunity to learn so much about your friend, so much about your spouse and what they dream about. Because of my wife and I's budgeting, I know her dreams. I know that a big thing on her dream list is she wants to take horseback riding lessons. Why? Because we've got a budget for that. I know that her dreams is that she wants to travel. Our next list on that is we'd love to be in Italy if it ever opens back up to us. But we want to be there. And so I know that because we have to budget for that. I know from there she wants to go to Martha's Vineyard or to, and to Maine. We want to see and travel some places. Do you know your spouse's dreams? Does your spouse know your dreams? Do your friends know your dreams? Do you know your friends' dreams? Budgeting is a great way to build that relationship if you allow it. The third thing I want you to see about budgeting is budgeting actually trains you to see God's work far more than your own work. Proverbs 16, 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We made plans for Hawaii. We did our parts in budgeting. We did all that we could, but as great as our plans were, they didn't stop what God might want to do. As we budgeted, God decided he wanted to go over and above our plans. So we started saving money for our plane tickets. We received a phone call from my sister who said, I'd love to give you buddy passes in order to fly over there. Wow, there's a big savings and a chance to fly first class. Another friend called us one day. We had been looking at where we were going to stay in Maui. We'd been looking for three weeks. We made a decision. The very next day, we were going to send in our non-refundable payment for this place. The day before we sent this in, a friend called us and said, hey, I know you guys are thinking about Hawaii. I have a timeshare. And it just came through. It actually is at this location, and I'd love to give it to you. He gave us the name of the location. You can't make this stuff up, folks. It was the exact place for three weeks we had been looking at booking. You can't stop what God might want to do as you do the parts that he calls us to do. And when we did our part of budgeting, we also began to look, God, what are you going to do? We thought that was all it. That was then. We got in the car. We headed to the airport, and I told Virginia, I said, I just don't believe God's done yet. So let's keep our eyes open to what he might do as we've tried to honor him in our part. We get to the airport. We go through security. We're through security pretty early, and we decide, well, we've got a lot of time before our flight. Let's go grab breakfast. Again, you can't make this stuff up. I make that statement. We walk 10 yards. A man comes up to us and says, hey, are you guys going to eat breakfast this morning? You don't get often asked that question in an airport. 
We said, in fact, we are. He said, well, the airport just gave me all these vouchers for food. I can't possibly use them. Would you like them? I looked at my wife. I said, that's one. We went. We had breakfast. We walked to the other end of the airport to our terminal. We got on the plane. If you're flying buddy pass, you're not promised that you sit beside each other. We were in separate seats. Her seats were the first ones that we got to. We walk up to these seats, and you'll never believe this, the man who gave us the vouchers was sitting right beside her. He looks at us before we even get there. Hey, are y'all together? If you want, I can take his seat and you guys can sit together. We sat down, our jaws wide open, and we went, that's two. We had multiple flights because we're flying buddy pass. In order to get there, we get to our next flight, and then we are waiting to see if we're going to be able to get on this flight. The stewardess calls us up, and she says, I've got one seat left on the plane. Would one of you like it, and then the next one wait for the next plane, or would you both like to wait? We decided we were going to both wait. And as we're doing that, we said, okay, we'll just both wait. She says, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I completely forgot about this other seat. I actually have two seats. The one I missed was off my screen because it's the very front row of the plane, first class. So one of you will get to sit in first class, the other will sit in the back. Virginia had a great time in first class. But that was a third one that we looked at each other. The fourth one was our last stretch of flight all the way across the ocean, the longest one. We were both in first class, and there were only two other people in first class. We looked at each other and said, God, you just do what you do when we are obedient to you. Now, I tell you those stories because I want you to have hope that even though we are called to put boundaries on our spending, our boundaries do not stop what God might do. It's His plans that we sit under, but He also calls us to put good plans in place. Now, I realize that some people who are listening to these stories, you're encouraged by this. And I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to have hope in this. I fully believe in everything that I'm telling you right now. But I also realize that some of you are thinking, Mitch, do you realize that kind of stuff just doesn't happen to everybody? You know what? I do realize that. But here's what I also realize. A lot of this is happening, but we're not looking for it. And a lot of us aren't giving God a chance to make this stuff happen. Instead, we're taking it in our own control. And I promise you, if you will get in God's plan of budgeting, He will continue to open up in ways you can't imagine. We've got to give God a chance to show up. My life, because of budgeting, has been trained to look for God to show up in ways I can't even imagine. The fourth thing I want you to know is budgeting doesn't remove your dependence on God. It actually reveals it. And I also know that all the stories aren't wonderful. We had a wonderful 20th year anniversary trip in Maui. When we were coming back, we were on top of the world. We were thrilled. We were excited. We got to the airport, and we find out everybody's trying to leave Maui because it was the last week before school started. We also found out that because you're a buddy list, you're put in a order. We never got higher in 24 hours of being 75th on the waiting list. 
we found out we're going to be stuck in Maui another week in the airport unless we can find a way to get on a plane and get off the island. I then get on the phone. I call Orbitz. I find somehow two seats on a plane, and I pay them the amount it would have cost me if I'd have just bought us uh, full tickets the whole way. And so we were leaving Maui happy, thrilled, and we get to the airport thinking everything's wonderful, and now we find that we might have saved money. Now we are spending all that money that we saved. And we went from happy, wonderful celebration of 20th year to looking at each other and me feeling, well, boy, you were a cheapskate. If you'd have just bought the ticket, you would have saved the ending of what could have been beautiful. It took us two weeks because of that event to realize that the real miracle was that I even found two seats on a plane out of an island that was packed. But it was because we had kicked real quickly into blaming and into shame instead of realizing that God has shown up. Part of that is because we were sitting there thinking, man, we saved some money. We can finally get ahead. You ever made that statement? You ever got some extra money? You go, man, we could get ahead now. And then as soon as that happens, what happens? The car breaks down. <coughs> the refrigerator breaks down. All the money that just came in, you go, geez, I just thought we were going to get ahead. Now, that's really funny because here's the weird part of that. You get the money the car breaks down, you think, I thought we could get ahead. But the car breaks down, then you get the money, it's, oh, look at God show up. It's amazing how a few minutes in between those things can change your whole perspective. For us in this vacation, we discovered that God's not looking for us to get ahead. God is looking for us to depend on Him. And as I think all the time, man, we can finally get ahead, Really what I'm saying is, God, I just want to be in a position where today I don't have to depend on you. But God wants something bigger than us getting ahead. He wants us dependent on Him, realizing that everything we have belongs to Him. And He will provide everything that we need. The fifth, final thing, budgeting makes you wiser. As you budget, as you budget each month, you begin to learn how to be content. You begin to learn how to not compare yourself to others. You begin to be excited about who God's made you and what He can do in you. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you patience. It gives you the, the wisdom of being slower and purposeful. Twenty-somethings, I want you to resist the temptation of having to buy your first house now it's okay. You don't have to have it now. You can wait. For young couples who are just newly married in your 20s, you don't have to have a 3,000-square-foot house. You're thinking, but we might have three to four kids. You might, but you'll probably move three to four times before you have those three to four kids. I'm watching too many young couples who are buying 10 rooms, of which four of those are sitting empty because they can't afford the furniture. And I can promise you that once you have the kid, and you pay the bill, and you buy diapers, you buy a formula, you're not going to be able to afford the furniture then either. 
And so I want to encourage you, live within your means and wait on God to show up and do miraculous things. The practical piece as we end is real simple, although it's very complicated and hard for us to do. As you receive a paycheck, let's imagine this is your paycheck. These are my poker chips. Can you see those? As you receive a paycheck, the first tenth, take it, saying, God, this all belongs to you, and give it to the work that he's doing. The second tenth, save it. Put it aside somewhere that you can save it or build an emergency fund with it. And now you get to learn how to live on this other 80%. Now, it's miraculous if you look at this because you're looking, well, that's not a lot to tithe. That's not a lot to save. I bet I could learn how to live on this. And so we live on it. The next month, another paycheck comes in. You put the tithe. You save. And God is teaching you how to live on this 80%. Well, that's growing a little bit. And again, I told you, this isn't complicated, but it's hard to live by. Let's say you do that 10 months. 10 months, you have given a whole paycheck to what God has been doing. After 10 months, you have saved an entire paycheck. And now you get another paycheck, and you give that other 10, and you give the 10 to save, and you have learned the discipline of knowing how to live on 80%. It's not complicated, but I realize it's hard. But it teaches us to depend on what God is doing. Some of you are thinking, well, Mitch, what if an emergency comes up? Well, if an emergency comes up after five months, look at there. You have five months. You have a half a paycheck to deal with that. And then you're already, after 10 months, you're starting to build the next one. Well, Mitch, what if a big emergency comes up or I can't even pay my debt in being able to save? Let me give you a plan right now that 90% of you can build an emergency fund with. I'm going to give you a quick plan. 90% of you can do this right now. I want you to start at your house, and I want you to go, and I want you to find 20 things in your house that you could sell for five bucks. 20 things in your house that you could sell for five dollars. I want you then find 15 things in your house that you can sell for ten dollars. I want you to find 10 things in your house that you can sell for $25. I want you then to find five things in your house you can sell for 100 bucks. Start in the shed, go to the garage, make your way inside to the attic, then to the other things that you have. I promise you, you can find every one of these things. You know what this is called? This is called a yard sale. And every one of us, 90% of us, can find $1,000 that quickly for an emergency fund, of which Dave Ramsey says when you have an emergency fund, for some reason you don't ever have emergencies. Because emergencies aren't emergencies when you have a fund. Folks, I can't get into all the details of budgeting because every one of your situations, every one of your particular situations, 
But I want to encourage you, there are lots of resources. One of my favorite resources out there is Dave Ramsey. But we as a church would love to help you to connect in order to getting budgets done, in order for you to build relationships, in order for you to trust God and be dependent on Him. I hope that you will find that you can do this and you can be encouraged by it. And it gives room for you to give God a chance to show up and you to depend on Him and to fall more in love with Him. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, I'm grateful because we see very clearly what money does in our lives. And yet, because of what we see it doing in our lives, we don't want you to be a part of it. And part of that is because what we see money do in our lives, a lot of times we do feel shame. We even can feel like you're blaming us. But may we know, Father, that you want our best, that you're fighting for us, that you love us, and you know more than anyone how much power money can have over us. So thank you for these principles. Thank you for the guidance that you give us in learning how to trust you with all that you've entrusted to us. In your name we pray. Amen.